to jump into Genesis chapter 1. Like I told you, uh, we did start a series last week, and just to give you a little bit of a, a recap of what we did there, uh, we talked about uh, Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus comes along and he calls his disciples. Now, uh, it's my, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible because I think it, it really gives to me uh, three things that I think God's trying to do in every person's life. Number one, it gives everybody Jesus. So Jesus shows up, right? That's number one. Follow me. I'm Jesus. Walk with me. So that's number one. Two, it says that he says it to them. So that's community. He doesn't just say it to Peter and he doesn't just say it to Andrew. He says it to them. And it's in the context of them that you and I truly find out who we are. And so there's the community side, and then there's I'm going to make you into something. I'm going to make you fishers of men. So there's a calling. And I believe Jesus, I believe God is trying to uh, put all of three of those things in your life. I believe he wants you to know Jesus. I believe he wants you to know community. And I believe he wants you to know what you are called to do. And so in this series, we've been talking about calling and what we said last week and we were just we're just kind of building like next week we'll get into your work and career which I think is where a lot of people get hung up on calling and then uh and then the week after that we'll talk specifically about what it is you are called to do and how do you discover that but I wanted to kind of set some building blocks you all know that a foundation matters to a house right and it doesn't matter what kind of blueprints you got and what you want to decorate in the living room and how you want to, what kind of windows you want to put in. It doesn't, none of that matters if you haven't set a good, healthy foundation. Are you with me? And so it's important. And we know that in Texas really well. We know foundations matter in Texas. Your house moves every year. One door shuts better than it did the, the last, you know. Every summer I know my back door is going to do better than my front door. In wintertime it's going to be reversed. It's just kind of how it, how it goes. And so foundation matters to what you're trying to build in your life. And so I wanted to kind of set some foundation. So last, last week we talked about this idea that the forming happens in the following. That we are formed as we follow Jesus. And that when we ask for a destination in life, he often hands us transformation. That it is rare that, that we will get somewhere without becoming someone. And it's important and it matters that we are, that's why vision is always beyond where you are. It is not hard to tell people you will be on stage on a Sunday morning on September 14th or 15th or whatever today is preaching something. Why? Because it's present. I already know that. I'm currently doing it. It's a whole other thing to say that in six weeks or six months or six years, this is where you're going. So vision is always beyond where you currently are and will always require of you more than you currently are. So the pain is actually something that shifts and changes and transforms you. And when we become a culture, which we kind of have, that tries to get away from all pain and all hurt and all, when we try to withdraw ourselves from anything that could ever cause us discomfort or, or pain, we actually short circuit the process by which we grow. And that's why they talk about growing pains. It's actually not that exciting sounding, is it? But it is part of the process of growth. It is not there to hurt you, but it is part of when we walk through certain situations. And so God gives us transformation. Today, I want to set another building block. I know today I'm not going to tell you exactly what you're going to do with the next seven days of your life. I'm not going to tell you exactly what every career you're ever going to have is going to look like. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. I'm trying again to set a bit of a building block for you and I. So I'm going to read out of the message translation. I apologize for all of you who've been such good listeners that you know that I read out of the HCSB often. And so you went and bought one, Bruce Robach. But I know that you will be okay with this because it's a good word out of message translation. So Genesis chapter 1, reading out of the message. This isn't even the message. This is the new living right here, but I felt weird standing up here without a Bible. So 
I have the Bible open to Genesis 1, but I'm going to read from my phone. And I'm going to put it on my Bible so it feels even more like I'm reading from my Bible. I'm still working out, you know, some things. I'm just, I'm not, God loves me no matter what I do, right? It's not by works, it's by faith. All right. Genesis 1, out of the message translation, says, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Now, he's made everything else before now. He's, he's, made, he's separated night from dark. He's separated waters. He's done all the stuff. He's made the earth. He's made animals. He's made plants. He's, he's built all of these things. And Genesis 1 is really kind of a, a macro level view. It's the 30,000 foot view. Genesis 2, when he leans in and breathes into Adam, it's like kind of the, it's, that's the really into the nitty gritty of how it goes on. So Genesis 1, we're getting a big, broad picture of what God is doing on the earth, and what many of us get frustrated by is that we are waiting to find out what our purpose is or where we're going to be placed, and all the while God is developing and creating the place for our purpose. And so we are walking through life frustrated that we're not already arrived, and God is still working on where we're going to arrive. And so don't get frustrated with God. He's still creating it. He's still making it. He's still setting it up so that when he places you there, you can get to work. Right? And that's the thing about the, the, the Garden of Eden. We don't like to know this because we, we think of it as paradise, you know, drinking our favorite drink on the beach. But, but paradise wasn't paradise because nothing was there to do. Paradise was paradise because work was purposeful. And so w- he gave Adam work to do. He gave Adam work to do. First thing, hey, name the animals. Hey, cultivate the ground. In fact, it says in Genesis 2 that the, the, the stuff hadn't grown yet. Why? Because rain hadn't come from God and man wasn't there to work the ground. That we're in partnership. Okay, so Genesis 1. I've only made it one sentence. Here we go. Genesis 1. Let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting. Everybody say reflecting. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting, there it is again, God's nature. He created them male and female. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there because I think this is important. Many of you guys, we would have heard this already. I've created in the image of God. And a lot of your translations would say the same thing. Let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature. So in, in many translations, it uses words like image, which we have there. And in other translations, it says likeness. So what does likeness mean? And, and to be truthful, the, the omega die, which is kind of the, the principle, the theology of made in God's image, is still, to this day, something that theologians uh, debate or at the very least have good discussion around. Not because they don't believe it's true, but because they're trying to decipher or determine exactly what it means for you and I. Now, at the, at the core of it, we're going to talk about what it is, but, but at the end of the day, they all would agree that in some way it is meant to, for us to represent God on the earth. It, no matter how you slice it, no matter exactly to what extent you would take it, some would go, because, because they don't believe that we are necessarily, we don't look actually physically like God. No matter how much you thought that of me, we don't actually look like, only, okay, cool. But I'm, you know what? I'm actually glad you didn't laugh, because maybe that means you think I look a little bit godlike. Okay, so, but, but, but to, to what extent do we take that? To what extent do we take image and likeness? To what extent do we bring that into the world? But, but at the very least, they know it is meant to say that we at some level look like God on the earth. 
And in fact, uh, uh, John Mark Homer in a book called Garden City, which I would recommend highly if you're questioning career or work, and, and if you want to be challenged on, on, on what it is to rest, because rest and work go together. You're meant to work hard and rest well, and then go work hard some more. Some of us are really good at working and not resting, and some of us are way too good at resting and not working. It is meant to be both. We are meant to be people who rest so that we can work well. And so it is, is meant to go together. But in his book, Garden City, he says this. The word image is salem in Hebrew. It can be translated idol or statue. An idol is a visible representation of an invisible being. We are God's statues on the earth. Isn't that amazing? And this is pretty subversive for the time. This is not something that people would have been used to hearing. In most God narratives of the time, it was that gods were tired of doing the work, so they made humans to do all the work because they didn't want to do it anymore. And the word image at the time was used to represent kings. So Pharaoh would use this word to describe himself as a representation of God. I am as Pharaoh, not as a commoner, not as a peasant, not as a person in the kingdom, but as Pharaoh, I represent God. So you must bow to me, right? Same, similar idea with King Nebuchadnezzar. We see the same principle. When, God, when men become powerful, they begin to think that other people are there for them. And so that's the idea. The image was to be a, a bearer of God's image on the earth so that they could rule. But what happens in Genesis, when people begin to read this story, what does he say? God says, let's create all what? Human beings in our image. In other words, all people, all people were created to bear the image of God on the earth. All people. I, I, hopefully that kind of encourages you a little bit that you and I are meant to be his image bearers wherever we go. That you and I are meant to look a little bit like God in the places we go and with the people we meet in the streets and hearts of our city. That's the purpose of our life in many ways is to be those who bear his image, who remind people of something greater and bigger. See, human creation was at the pinnacle of all creation. We, we are the only species that does a lot of things, but one of the only species that wakes up every morning questioning their purpose in life. We're the only species who wakes up and goes, should I even go to work today? We're the only species who wakes up and goes, do I look okay today? The only species that wakes up and looks in the mirror and goes, I'm not sure I want to walk out the house looking like this. We're the only people who question after six years of doing the same job whether this job was ever for us. We're the only purpose who question what our calling and our purpose is. Why? Because we bear the image of God. Our, our, our thought process and what we believe about life is so much more unlimited than other species on the planet. But it also, for us, who don't always understand our full identity, causes big questions for us. And so here's God going, no, 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 you are all meant to bear the image of God on the earth. You are all meant to bring a bit of heaven to the earth. You are all meant to remind people that there is a creator. I remember when I pick up the phone, this happens on a fairly regular basis. If it's a family member or, or a friend that both my dad and I talk to on a regular basis, if they call me and I answer the phone, this is how I answer the phone to pretty much everyone. Hello? And if you have ever talked to my dad on the phone, you know that is exactly how my dad answers the phone. Hello? I've had on multiple occasions someone go, oh, Paul? No, this is Brandon. Oh, you Oh, you sounded just like Paul. Why? Because I bear in many ways his image. You can look at pictures. Why? We, there is a resemblance 
between me and my father because I come from him. I was created by him. I was brought into the earth. By that, there is something there that resembles. We have, a, we have a reflection. We have something, a likeness. And so when I say hello, they hear Paul. They don't just hear me. When I see people, I don't just see them. I see that there is a lineage. There's something behind some of the things that they're doing, saying, or acting like. And we have that in our lives. And that is what God is intending for us, is to be people who bear his image. It says that we would be responsible, reflecting his nature. And my friend, uh, uh, Josh Scheib, who pastors C3 Kansas City, they celebrate three years today. So if you follow him or anything, you know, send him a message. Tell him congratulations. It's hard pioneering a church and making things happen. That's what Josh and Morgan have done with their two girls. It's just, uh, just some of my best friends. And, and Josh uh, took a picture because I had told him what I was preaching this weekend. And, and he said, I would change that. No, he didn't. But he said, uh, he said I was, uh, you know, that's funny you say that because I was driving not too long ago, I was driving through uh, from Vegas to, to uh, San Diego or Vegas to L.A., and so he drive through, there's a big desert there, and, and so he's driving through, and he sees, uh, to his right, he sees this field. Uh, I didn't show the picture because it's, it's hard to make out, but he sees this field of solar panels, right, and right in the middle, smack in the middle of these solar panels is a, a, a tall pole that stretches up, and at the top of it is a mirror, and the mirror is reflecting the light from the sun down to the solar panels and spreading it out across all the solar panels evenly. It's reflecting the light. Now, what's interesting about a reflection is that, that the, it is not up to the thing being reflected. It is up to the thing that is bringing the reflection to be adjusted. In other words, it is not up to the sun to move. It is up to the mirror to move. So many times we want God to move to be more in our image, but actually it is us, us who must be adjusted to look more like him. We have to be people willing to adjust our lives to reflect more of his life in us. Right? And when we do that, we actually begin to spread out light and life into the earth in a way that we wouldn't, that we wouldn't otherwise. He is using us and living life with us and doing life with us that we might reflect his nature on the earth. That people might just get a glimpse of what heaven holds. Might just get a glimpse of what God looks like. I mean, that's a pretty big responsibility, right? In, in, in some of your translations, it uses the word rule. Or in some, it says to have dominion. Right? And we, we hear those words, and they sound pretty, like, intense. I love medieval movies, medieval shows. I, I don't know why. I, I love the idea of, the, I just love castles and all this stuff. It just, those are, I'll, I'll, I'm hook, line, and sinker every time one of those new gets launches on, launches on Netflix. I just, I think they're all good. I don't know why, I don't know if it's the swords, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'm just fascinated by the idea that they never had a phone, never had a, like, it was just, just castles, like, you know, you do your thing. But there's, there's something about uh, the, 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 the nature of that and what it is, and, and we, we hear the word rule or dominion, and that's what we think of, don't we? We think of castles and kings and subjects. We think of people who have to do what we tell them to do. And what the, I love the message translation because it translates it just a little bit of a different way. And I actually think it's, a, it's better to our understanding of what the word actually means. Because we all love the idea of us being the leader. We all want to be the boss. We all want to be the person in charge. We all want to be the person who makes the decisions because there's one decision that we didn't like that our boss made. But we don't realize that once we become the boss, it ain't just that one decision that has to be made. 
right? We like the idea of it until we are the person. We like the idea of being the leader until we're the one leading, responsible for the decisions that everyone's making. Responsible for where we're going, responsible for carrying vision, responsible for what it is we are to do today, responsible for the decisions we make, good or bad. See, leaders are decision makers, and they bear with them, and they take the responsibility for the risk that they hold and the chance that it may not be the right decision you make it anyway. And we all love this idea until we realize that what the word rule actually means. And the example Jesus gave us is the word responsibility. See, the greatest way we can reflect what God wants to do is by taking responsibility of what he wants to do. See, we, we, we want to reflect God on the earth, but we won't take responsibility for what's happening on the earth. And the problem with our inability to take responsibility is we have then, we have then let go of or, 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 or negated the idea that we are able to respond. I mean, if you just flip the words, that is what it means to be responsible, isn't it? To be responsible, that's why we don't take responsibility, because if we don't take responsibility, we do not have to respond. But if we are responsible for something, it actually gives us the ability to respond to that thing. In fact, uh, there's a, a, a book uh, that I'm reading right now called Reappearing Church where he references another book. Just read books of guys who like to read a lot of books, and then you'll feel like you've read a lot of books. It's fantastic. It's a great way to get around reading too much. But he references a book called The Failure of Nerve. It's one of the best leadership books maybe not you've heard, that you've heard of, but it is one of the better ones written. And uh, in 96, this, the author passes away, and his family went ahead and published the book in 1997. It's called the failure of nerve. And he says our culture goes through five cycles or five steps of being anxious because we tend to be anxious people, don't we? We tend to be anxious for what's happening in life, where we're going to go, what's going to happen tomorrow, and anxiety is always dwelling in the future. Anxiety is always dwelling in what might happen. Anxiety is always sitting where we aren't sure, but we're making up all kinds of ifs, right? What if this happens? What if that happens. What if they say this? What if they do this? What if they don't respond? What if I, and we just live in that world, and that's usually where anxiety resides, in all the what ifs, right? And so he writes this five-step process that happens, and, and it begins with reactivity. We are reactive people, and instead of being proactive people and taking responsibility and bringing life into the earth, we react to whatever life brings to us. So many of us, we treat life as though it happens to us, and what God wants us to do is, is to happen to life. He wants us to bring life into the earth. And so there's a reactivity, and then when we react, we get, we, what you would have said is, and, and, and he says that we, it's not, he doesn't call it this, but it's this idea that we circle the wagons. We get around people who think the same way as us after we've reacted to something that's happened. So we circle the wagons. So we get around people who think like us, act like us, talk like us, believe like us, think, uh, stay things like us, and we, and we get in, how many of you guys have started, you already recognize this in culture right now. We get into that place, and then the third step is we blame outwardly. So we take everything we've reacted to, we get around all the people who think what we think, and then we begin to throw blame across the way. We begin to say, if they would just do this, if they would just do that, if they would just, and, and what we're doing is abdicating responsibility. We're actually beginning to put blame on other people, and that's when we begin to see us getting into anxiety. His last step is there's no self-differentiated leadership. In, in, in other words, we, we, there, there's nothing about our leadership that looks different than the circumstances or situations that have been happening for years. So we don't look any different. So when we want peace, we're full of chaos. Where we want joy, we're full of despair. Where we want hope, we, we've got nothing. 
He says the one thing that's needed is someone to walk in that is a non-anxious presence. You, you see this sometimes in like classrooms or in a workplace, and you see that person who walks in, they, say, they don't say a word. They don't say anything, they don't do anything, and they're not ruling from authority. People who rule from strength are usually kind of miserable to be around, right? They, they come in and they just, because they bring a peace into the room. You've seen this with, 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 in families, you just, like something just shifts and changes, and it's not because of what's said or done, it's because of their presence. And see, the church is not meant to be people who are just simply blaming for everything that's happening, but they are willing to take responsibility. And I would say this to you, and I say this to husbands sometimes, it may not be your fault, but guess what? It is your responsibility. And I say this to leaders, if you are not willing to take responsibility, even for the things that are not your fault, get ready to be limited by whatever happens around you. You will not shift anything. You will not move anything. You will not inspire anything. You will not change anything if you are not willing to take responsibility for that thing. And so when Jesus says, I want them to reflect me, what he's saying is I want them to take responsibility like I did. Because what did Jesus do when he showed up on the earth? He said, I did not come to be served but to serve and give my life as a ransom for Many. The thing that has made Jesus set apart from every other religious leader is that he was willing to give his life perfect and sinless for other people that they might live life well. He, he was there to restore and redeem. He didn't come from earth, go to heaven, get a good message and bring it back down like most prophets of our, our most religions. He, he came from heaven, brought a message and then went back home. It's, it's something about Jesus that is set apart. He brought something that looked different than what was on the earth, but he wanted it to reside on the earth. And he brought it to you and I, and he gave us responsibility. The best way we can reflect God on the earth is to take responsibility for the earth. Now, some of us in the description read, you know, uh, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and, and, and cows. Cattle was in there as well, Right? We, we, we kind of tend to go, okay, so is this like an environmentalist? What, what is this? Well, ultimately, at the time when this was written, that, those were the resources of the day. That was everything of the time. Now, I do believe we should take responsibility for the earth. Absolutely. I think we should. It drives me crazy when someone throws trash out the window. It, it's, 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 it's lazy, right? It's just lazy. Regardless, it, but that's not all this is talking about. It's saying everything that is at resource, everything that is available to you, Everything that is out there, the, the, the stuff you have, all the things that have been created since the garden, everything that's out there, guess what? You need to take responsibility for it and make it better. Because if you read further on, and we'll, just, we'll, we'll read the rest of Genesis 1, 26 through 31, he says this, God blessed them, and he says, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge. And then here comes that big responsible word again. Be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Then God said, I've given you every sort of seed-bearing plant on earth and every kind of fruit-bearing tree. Isn't that interesting? He's not just talking about what's on the tree. He's talking about the seeds that are within it. That, that, that God is a God of sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping. I give them to you for food, to all animals and all birds, everything that moves and breathes. I give whatever grows out of the ground for food. And there it was. God looked over everything he had made, and it was so good, so very good. So here's, here's the way I would say it. Your job description is the image and likeness of God. That you are a human being. That 
Ultimately, what we're trying to say when we say we are human is to say we should reflect God on the earth, that we bear his image in our lives. But then there's a job description. Your job title, sorry, your job title is to be image bearers, and your job description is to reproduce, to be fruitful, to multiply, and to take charge. Every believer should be a person who believes in the potential of what is. I think far too many believers are, are, are limited by what is currently happening and not speaking a lot future into what could be. So when they walk into a certain particular place and someone is complaining about something, they don't know what they're supposed to do. Because all they can do is hear what's being said and they've not yet borne with them the image of God in their life. So instead of saying, yeah, but what if? Yeah, but God can. Yes, but there is. We just kind of shrink back. But see, people who have seeds and people who are a reflection and people who are meant to cultivate what God's given them have to be people of faith and vision. They have to be people who, who, who see evidence of things unseen. They have to be people who, who have a faith in what could possibly happen to bring about what God intended. One commentator, and this is a big quote, and I, I didn't put him on the screen today, so you'll just have to follow along as I read it. It says this, rather this seems to support, and he's talking about Genesis 126 and the mandate and everything that's given there. He says this seems to support the idea that God endowed human beings with a certain kind of awareness, one which animals and birds and fish were not given. In other words, humans would possess the capacity for reason, morality, language, personality, and purpose. In particular, the ability to use morality and spirituality are unique to human, being among, human beings among God's creation on earth. Like God, we would possess the capacity to experience and understand love, truth, and beauty. Humans are made in God's image in another way. As a model or a representative, God is the maker and all of creation belongs to him. He is Lord over it. However, in the moment of creation, God gives mankind the responsibility to rule over all other life he has made on the earth. In that sense, humans would stand as God's image, God's representatives on earth as we rule over and manage all the rest of creation. John Mark Homer says in Garden City like this. He said, one Hebrew scholar translated it as, in the word rule, he translated it as this, to actively partner with God in taking the world somewhere. To actively partner with God in taking the world somewhere. See, again, I think we get so boxed in on this word calling or called or purpose or destiny. What are we made to do? What are we called to do? What are we purposed to do? We get so boxed in on this idea that if we pick the wrong career or if we move to the wrong city or we make the wrong decision or we date the wrong person, we get so locked into all these things that we'll spend weeks and months and even years debating what it is I'm supposed to do, what it is I'm supposed to make happen, what am I called to do, rather than realizing that God has not limited your calling to a particular time and place. That God has given you something to cultivate right now, where you are, wherever you are. And I understand that there are times where we don't like our boss. And I understand that there are times where our marriage isn't good. And I understand that there are times where the environment we're in is not conducive to what God wants to do in our life. But it's not us going, oh God, it is, just fix it. Just make it happen. God goes, no, you are the image bearer of Christ on the earth. Reflect my nature and watch as you reproduce. Watch as you multiply. Watch as you take charge. And be people who partner with me to take this somewhere. Will we be people who take our city somewhere? Will we be people committed to taking our 
planet, taking our earth, taking our streets, taking our workplace, taking our families somewhere. See, if we're going to be people who are, have uh, authority over the seeds, have authority over what is planted, have we have to be people of faith. We have to be willing to plant it and water it. We have to be believing that as we continue to put the time in, as we continue to cultivate, as we continue to take responsibility, that there will be fruit that is born of the things we're putting in the earth. And the reality of it is this, that you and I will reproduce. You and I will reproduce. The question is, what will we reproduce? The question is, what will we reflect? We will reflect something, every one of us. We will reflect something. We will either reflect the despair, the, 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 the lack of identity. We, we will reflect the confusion. We, we will reflect the, the, the unwillingness to create any kind of standard for how you live life. We, we, will, we will reflect all of those things, or we will reflect heaven on earth. Or we will reflect God's nature. We will reflect love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and good. We will reflect the nature of God. That's why Paul says in Philippians, put on the new nature. There is a decision that you and I make to put on something new in our life. Because we will reproduce. The question is what? The question is what? What will we reproduce? Just just picture just popped into my head. Y'all all seen The Lion King, right? I'm not going to. You know, spoilers here. I mean, it's only been around for 20 years. And if you haven't seen it, that's on you. Nah, it's a fun. I've sung that song a thousand times in the last three months since that movie came out, Casey Can't Stop. But in that movie, what happens when you've got uh, the right king on the throne, right? The land is growing. It's plentiful. Everyone's fed. There's peace. When the right kingdom is in place, when the right thing is ruling and reigning, then we find peace, and we find enough for everyone, and there's a certain level of joy and expect expectancy for the future. And then when Scar takes over, y'all know what happens. He's not there to serve. He's there to what? Rule. He's there to be the boss. He's there to be the guy that everybody serves me. And so what happens? Every, all the resources begin to dry up. The, the, the promise of a future begins to dwindle. And, and, and as much as that's a cartoon, we all know that that's how it works. That when you put the wrong thing in rulership, then you begin to dwindle resources. You begin to reproduce whatever is in the heart of the person. And that's why our, what is at issue with our culture right now is not the things we have in culture, but the things we give credit to in culture. In other words, we want the kingdom without the king. And everything we built this thing on, this freedom of choice, the ability to love people fully and completely and unconditionally, the, all the things we built it on, all the, the principles that are found here, like Jesus, everything we've built it on, we, 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 we've gotten away from that, and so we still want the stuff, but we aren't willing to take the responsibility. And so we've, we've made ourselves unable to respond to what is currently happening around us. We are meant to be people who bring life and hope and joy. In fact, Jesus did this, right? Jesus, our ultimate example, Jesus, the one that we are supposed to look like, Jesus, the one that the Holy Spirit is shaping us more and more like every single day. In Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, in the message translation again, it says, going through a long line of prophets, God has been addressing our ancestors in different ways for centuries, speaking of the Old Testament. Recently, he spoke to us directly through his son, 
By his son, God created the world in the beginning, and it will all belong to the son at the end. This son perfectly what? Mirrors God. See, when we saw Jesus as human, we saw him as, as the perfect mirror of who God was. That's why Jesus would say things like, hey, what, what are we doing here? Well, I'm, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I am in connection with him. I am reflecting the God of heaven on the earth. I am bringing it back to what it was originally intended. In fact, Colossians says it like this. We look at this son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son, speaking of Jesus, and see God's original purpose. How many of you got to wake up every day, look at the news or read a newspaper or just scroll your Instagram and go, this is not how this was supposed to go. There's, there's a reason there's a sense in all of us, not just Christians, all of us have this sense that this is not how it was intended to be. But in Jesus, in Jesus, we see it, we understand it. God's original purpose in everything created, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything God started in him and finds its purpose. In him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. Everything got started in him and everything finds its purpose in him. So I know I could sit here, we could do the spiritual gifts test, we do the next steps, we could go through all the things, and, and there will be some of that. We're, we're going to talk about that. But I want you to understand that I, I can't go any further than to say to you that to follow Jesus and to look upon Jesus is to see what God looks like. And when we see what God looks like, we begin to discover who we really truly are because we are made as image bearers of God. And the further we get away from image bearers of God, the further we move into identities that are built on a lack of responsibility, identities that are built on complaining about responsibility, identities that are built on saying responsibility is no good. We, are, we find ourselves lacking identity because we have not taken any responsibility for the identity that God's given us. And so it's, 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 it's us, you and I, beginning to reflect Jesus. That's why we talk about seeing Jesus here in this church. That's why we say that's our vision, is that C3 Fort Worth, that Fort Worth, the city of Fort Worth, would see Jesus. Because in Christ, we see what it actually means to be human. To walk the streets of a city and heal, heal people. To bring sinners and saints together at the same table. To bring hope and joy into a place that felt like they were just under dominion and ruled by another group of people. To, 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 to be subversive in the way that he does it by serving instead of lording it over people. When the disciples say, hey, no. In fact, it wasn't even the disciples. It was the mom. The mom of the disciples came to Jesus and said, I want them to sit at the right hand. I want them to win American Idol. You know, that kind of thing. I, who's going to sit? At, and Jesus goes, that's not how this works. We are here to reflect the one true king. We are here to be people who reflect what it is to live created so that we can be creative in the way in which we live. See, there's whole spheres of society, and we're going to talk about this next week. There, there's whole segments of society that are waiting for someone to walk in the room, to walk in the place, and bear his image and reflect the love and joy, the wisdom, the courage, the faith that it takes to bring heaven to earth and to quit 
putting responsibility on somebody else, but to take responsibility even if it isn't our fault. See, the issue of our day is not the policies. It's the humanity. It's our inability to be human. It's our inability to take responsibility for the fact that we reflect God on the earth. So we don't take responsibility. And so we begin to blame every other thing. And I just tell you, there's nothing more important right now than to recapture what it means to be human. What it means to love people well. What it means to forgive. What it means to own our part in whatever part we play. It is us who are willing to take responsibility and partner with God to take this earth somewhere. And just like Jesus, who reminded us of what Adam was supposed to do. Romans 5 tells us that there was the first Adam. It was given the Eden and, and, uh, and, and well, he kind of messed that up, right? What I love is that God didn't just end the project there, right? Uh, he, he said, okay, well, let's, let's, let's do this again. And he sent Jesus as, the, as what the, Rome, the writer of Romans, Paul, would have said is the second Adam. He would have said, but he brings with him grace. He brings with him a new kingdom where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. I, I, I've reset what it looks like. I've reminded, I've restated through Jesus what it was all intended to be. And I'm showing you that through Jesus, you are not limited by the fact that it isn't what it should be. You are not, you are not subject to the fact that it isn't what I intended for it to be. That you can still rule and be fruitful and multiply and take charge and bring life wherever you are. You are not limited by the fact, like in the disciples in Matthew 4, by the fact that you throw nets. You are not limited by that. I'm still going to call you fishermen, but I'm going to take the limits off, and you're going to go fish for people. And you know what's great about fishing for people? You can do it anywhere, at any time. Maybe your calling is bigger than what you think it is. Maybe it pervades everything you do. Maybe it goes wherever you go, because your first calling, the thing you were made for, your job title and job description, is that you and I are created in the image of God to reflect His nature on the earth. No matter our career, no matter our season of life, no matter our situation, no matter the things that have come against us, because we are made in his image. And we can say that with confidence and with strength, that in Christ Jesus, I become who I really am meant to become. Would you bow your heads? Lord, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you that we are not limited by the things around us. God, we are not even defined by those things. We are simply called to be reflections of you. And for some of us, we've gotten so far away from that. And we all do that. It's, it's not like one of us is more wor- bad than the others or messed up worse than the others. Or, we've all done that. It's part of what sin does. Sin takes us further and further away from bringing heaven to earth. But what you did through your son is to say, no, listen, if you trust in Jesus, if you put your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, You will run this race with endurance. You will run this race with faith. You will run this race and bring life into the earth. And I've given you the opportunity now to take responsibility for the place that I have put you, for the people I've put you around, for the street you drive every day, for the people you interact with on a daily basis. And if you would just know that you have been made to reflect me, 
And you're not going to worry about what defines you, what makes you, what you will know. That I am yours and you are mine and we are in this together. Just see Jesus. See heaven. If we can get people to see Jesus in us. Today, right now, I, I, I just, I want us to be a people committed to taking responsibility. I want to be a people committed to reflecting Him. I want to be a people who, who reproduce. I want to be people who bring life, bring hope, plant seeds. Come on, take care of creation. We would be people who really own it. As we continue to look upon Jesus, as we continue to pray, continue to get around people, as we continue to read the word, as we continue to seek him out, he will continue to grow us more and more into the image of Christ so that we can reflect God on the earth. So that when people hear us talk, when people see us move, they're not just reminded of us, they're reminded of something bigger, something greater something of more purpose, something even with greater intention. If that's you this morning and you say, yeah, yeah I, 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 I want to reflect Jesus. For some of you, that means I, you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time. You need to go, yeah, I'm, I'm in. But for others of you, it's just saying, okay, I'm coming back. I'm coming back home. That's repentance. Repentance is saying I'm letting go of what has been defining me, of the things I've been pursuing. I'm coming back home. I'm coming back to Jesus. I'm coming back home so that I can fully reflect heaven on earth so I can bring what I know is really humanity into the earth. Take responsibility for the seeds that have been put in my hand that I might sow them with potential on my mind, with faith in my heart, with a belief about the future. If that's you this morning, you say, okay, I'm coming back or I'm readjusting this morning. Maybe for the first time you're saying, I want to see Jesus in me. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you, I want to agree with you. So I just want you now, if you could, would you just raise your hand where you are, and I'm going to pray with you. If you say, I want to reflect Jesus in my world and where I am and what I'm doing, I want to reflect him more than I currently do. Anybody here this morning, I want to pray with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else, real quick, I just want to pray with you. I just want to agree that God's going to continue to shape you more and more into his image.